Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question, Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are going to review Little House on the Prairie, which you can currently find on Amazon Prime for free on their, they're changing the name of their station. Right now it's IMDb TV, named after the Internet Movie Database. Mm -hmm. By the time this airs, it's going to be named something else, but I don't remember okay so um so completely no help at all so completely no help at all so we have a couple other things going on today the first just as a reminder we have a new segment called what is steve willing to watch so at the end um we have a movie coming up which we've already chosen but steve's going to choose the movie for our next cycle so right now we're in the middle of a cycle we watched muppet babies and we broke the cycle for a bit to have a Mother's Day bonus with Freaky Friday. Which I was not a part of. Which you were not a part of, but you were recovering from COVID that day. And um, now we're w- talking about Little House on the Prairie. And then next week, we're going to watch Dream a Little Dream, which, like Freaky Friday, is like a mind swap movie. So that'll be really fun. Yes. So stay tuned at the end of the show for a sneak preview uh, with what will Steve, what is Steve willing to watch, or what does Steve want to watch? I guess if we want to put it right. a little bit better. But first, there is a box here, Steve Hall. I see that. And this is it what's is, in the box? Oh no! <laughs> well, your wife is right here, and I have my head on. You have your head on. <laughs> so so it's not Gwyneth Paltrow's head. It's not Gwyneth Paltrow's head. <clears throat> so this is a present for Steve. Here you go. Okay, why do I have a present? It's not my birthday. It's my birthday, but sometimes on my birthday I like to buy other people gifts. Ah! It's Alvin and the Chipmunks. The stuffed animals, which we discussed in our Alvin and the Chipmunk. Yeah, Um, episode 11 of our show, Steve talked about your grandma bought you these at Burger King. Yeah, but I, well, I only had the Alvin and the Simon. And we never had the theater. And I went on eBay and I found these are the official, they still have the tag on them. These are from Burger King initially. Yep. And they are um, a little stuffed animal. Keep them away from our dog because she'll think they're toys for her. That's true. So we have Alvin with the A. Simon with the S and Theodore with the T. With the pink T that with I remember. I remember we talked about yes. that for some reason. That I don't know if the maybe white didn't show up well or they just wanted to make it different. They probably just wanted to make it different. But I thought it wouldn't be nice if you finally had all three. And what a good memory for you. So. Look at that. All right. Well, that is a great memory. So thank you so much. And way to connect it to the podcast. You have to take a picture and load it up on the web. Yeah, we'll take a picture of Steve so with these see. and we'll put them on. Well, we'll put them on our Facebook and then I'll put them on our blog. Too. Yeah, definitely. So we'll link them on our blog. But if you haven't heard right now, Alvin and the Chipmunks is our most downloaded episode. Oh, so this was a celebratory gift as well. <laughs> it is a celebratory <laughs> gift. Um, and a plug to go back and watch or listen to rather that episode if you haven't already. So um, sometimes on my birthday, I like to buy other people presents. But sometimes on Christmas, I like to buy myself presents. <laughs> but that is a celebratory one, too, because Megan mentioned it last time that we thanked everyone for listening. But um, as of the time of recording this, we are nearing a thousand downloads, which is quite an, yeah. quite an accomplishment for our little podcast that we started. I'm ho- and we've only been on really a couple weeks because we put out the first three episodes all at once. Right. So it really, at this point, we... we 
we tape about three or four episodes ahead. Um, so we probably have hit that number by now. I'm assuming so, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, let's um, stop patting ourselves on the back and we'll get to our nostalgic candy. It's time for the, my favorite segment of the whole recording, which is our non-sponsored snack. Our non-sponsored snack. Now you are getting an acorn-shaped one. And, and today's, it is pure maple candy. Pure maple sugar candy. This is actually a product of New York State. This is a local um, Salem, New York, so not too far away from where we are. So explain why you chose this one. So I chose maple candy. You can eat yours, and I'll tell okay. you a little bit of the history. Maple candy wasn't featured on the show that we watched. Any oh, of the- wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is pure maple. It wasn't featured on the show necessarily, but it was featured in the books. They have a a couple times where they're eating maple candy for the first time. In the first book, Little House in the Big Woods, um, they have a whole scene where they go to their grandparents' house and they're all tapping the trees and they're boiling the syrup and they have like a party to celebrate maple sugar time. Yeah, you read that part of the book. Yeah. So, oh yeah, that is strong. Yeah, for for you listeners out there, really, it's like if you could imagine just taking a shot of maple syrup. Yeah, that's basically what this what this tastes like. So maple sugaring really started with the Native Americans in New England and Canada. They were the first to kind of get the maple sap and cook it over an open fire. But maple sugar, you know, in the early days of America, it was really an excellent source of energy because you know sugar gives you a little bit of energy mm-hmm. and flavoring but it was it would also last the whole year until the next sugaring season so the pioneers and the early colonists maple sugar was pretty much their main source of sweetener and it helped because especially after the revolutionary war we didn't want as much of a dependence on europe So they didn't have to be dependent on foreign sugar because they could make their own maple sugar. Mm. And so the production of maple sugar was really this cool communal event. They'd all tap the trees. They'd catch the sap, tending to the fire, boiling it down. A lot of volunteers and helping. And um, it kind of peaked in the 1860s. So that would be around the time of the first book. And then when imported cane sugar became more affordable, that white sugar started to replace the everyday sugar in people's homes. And at that point, maple syrup became more popular, like on pancakes and biscuits and French toast, because they didn't have that maple flavor all the time. Right. And I think this is so strong to me because really it's very, it's a little crumbly, it's creamier than I thought it would be. It's very creamy when you put it, when it sits in your mouth. But as Steve said, you know, well, we have, we live in a, in a rural area where there are farmers, like your brother makes maple syrup. Right. But I think a lot of times we're used to like that corn syrup with a little maple flavoring. Right. It's just yeah, not the this same. Is definitely, definitely pure maple. Yeah. So that's a little bit of history of maple syrup. It's quite popular in New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, Wisconsin, where the first book is set. Mm-hmm. Big time maple sugar produ- production. So... Really rich candy out of... Out of five little houses. Out of five little houses. I was going to say wagons. How many are we going to give? I'm going to give it a four. It's rich and I'm not going to have another piece of it, but I really like it. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Because how can you... It's just pure maple. How can you go wrong with that? That's true. It's very strong tasting, but that's very good. It's very sweet. 
So I'm going to give it five. So together. Four and, and a half, half little, little houses. houses. Four and a half little houses. And a shout out to Maple Land Farms on Bunker Hill Road. That is where this particular maple sugar candy came from. Um, rich, delicious. And you can probably, if you're traveling in New York State, buy it at those New York. The they have little, New York stores I on love the highway. New York, um, yeah. Kiosks. On yeah. The, on the I highway. got this from a little like um, farm store. But yeah, delicious. Okay. So, so summary of our show. Summary of our show. Go little to ha- Little House on the Prairie. For those of you who don't know, uh, ran from 1974 to 1983. Mm-hmm. Nine seasons, 204 episodes. Um, and so, uh, it's basically based off of Laura Engel Wilder's books. Mm-hmm. Uh, predominantly, the third book, Little House on the Prairie, is well, where it starts. And we'll then talk it kind about of that. Into it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and the show was basically just follow the lives of the Ingle family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ma, Pa, Laura, uh, Mary, and the youngest, Carrie, when and we then, start. And then they add to the family. Yeah. Um, and it's just the, the, the struggles and blessings of living in uh, the Midwest, you know, in Minnesota, um, during the, I don't want to say pioneer yeah, days, pioneer. but sort of pioneer days, right? Late 1800s, really. Um, early 1900s. It goes from 1872 to 1885. Yeah. So it's just so the pioneer era. The pioneer era, yeah. yeah. And it's just a, a very wholesome type show. So I don't want to get too much into it because we're going to talk about that when we recap the three episodes we watched. So um, I'm going to let my wife get into the history because she's going going out of her mind waiting for that because she has so much i'm sure to talk about i have so much and i'm not so, gonna i could literally probably sit here for six hours yeah, I let's won't. not do that i want to say too that here's here's history of our podcast um this initially my when when we were talking about we wanted to do a podcast and we were talking about what to do. And my initial idea was that we would watch an entire season of a show I loved from my childhood and then an entire season of a show Steve loved from his childhood. And I said, you know, like we could watch a season of Little House on the Prairie. And Steve was like, no, <laughs> no, no. He was like, I, I think that's a little much. So <laughs> we took the same idea, stop ruining my childhood. And we kind of changed the format basically. Mm-hmm. But, um, um, yeah, there's a lot of like really interesting facts. I'm going to link um, on our blog. I'll link the book series, but I'll also link um, Laura Ingalls Wilder original autobiography called Pioneer Girl. She submitted that first to publishers. Her daughter was an author and she kind of ripped off her parents' stories to like become an author. But her daughter really helped to shape and edit the books. And she initially submitted this book, Pioneer Girl, to her daughter's publisher. And the publisher was like, I think this would work better as a book for kids. And then she started taking parts of that book to make the series and lightly fictionalized it for children. So taking out some of like the darker elements. But there were eight books and one kind of unfinished that's typically published with the rest. There's also been spinoff book series of other women of the family, Martha and Charlotte, her grandparents, Caroline, her mom, and then Rose, her daughter. But the family really did move around quite a bit. They were struggling pioneers. So Little House on the Prairie is their journey from Wisconsin to Kansas. 
And then the book takes place really while they're in Kansas. Mm -hmm. They did that as the pilot movie for the show. So they show them packing up from Wisconsin and then the story of them being pioneers in Kansas and getting kicked out because they basically they put their their house in Indian territory. Right. By mistake. And then they had to. Yeah. And then they had to move. So the next book in this series is on the banks of Plum Creek. And that takes place in Walnut Grove. Which is where the show takes place. Which is where the show takes place. So after that, they move around and they ended up um, in Iowa. And then they they ended up in a number of different places. But really, the long winter, little town on the prairie, these happy golden years are all in the same town. And that's where her parents ended up settling. But the show just takes place in Walnut Grove. And obviously just outside of it. Right. Well, it's probably easier show, you know, to tell a story with a show, it's easier to keep the same cast of characters with one location. Yeah, basically. So Ed Friendly was the television producer at the time. And in 1972, his daughter and his wife convinced him that this would be a good thing to base a show on. Right. The Waltons had already started to do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, So he buys the rights from Roger Lee McBride and he hires Blanche Hanalis to write the teleplay, which is that first movie. Mm Mm-hmm. They tap Michael Landon to direct, and he's like, sure, I'll direct as long as I can play Charles Ingalls. Because Bonanza ran from 59 to 73. Yeah. He was on that whole time. Little House then runs from 74 to 83. And then right after that, he does Highway to Heaven, which goes from 84 to 89. Right. And then he passed away shortly after that. So really, he was on TV for 30 years. Which is an amazingly long TV, especially for somebody for prime time. Right. It's not like being in a soaps or anything like that. So the interiors were filmed at Paramount Studios and the exteriors, which was most of the show, because a lot of the um, the buildings like the house were actually built. Right. Right. Um, they were filmed in Simi Valley, which is Allison Ingram, who plays Nellie, does the commentary on the DVDs. And she said, like... You know, Minnesota is one of the flattest states, and it's supposed to be the prairie. And there's all these mountains because it's California. (laughs) She's like, the second thing is that Simi Valley is like 100 degrees, and they're all in these like pioneer heavy heavy cloth cloth costumes. She's like, Michael Landon would take off his shirt all the time. Because it's, like, part of the show, like, you know, to get the lady viewers. But the women are in, like, petticoats. Yeah. And then she passed out the first day of filming. Look, the the characters' names are based on the book. A lot of the plots are not. Some of them have the books kind of as jumping off points. Like, there's a an episode called Town Party, Country Party. Um, one of the episodes we watch shows Almanzo driving Laura to school. But... Basically, people complained about this and that they weren't enough like the books. Michael Landon goes, have you read the books? Do you want to watch an hour of TV of people sewing buttons? Does that sound (laughs) fun to you? And people are like, oh, no, okay. But they recycled some of the the plot lines from Bonanza. Um, You know, we watched, because the nature of this podcast... um, we watched some of the lighter episodes. They have some dramatic moments, but Little House explored themes of like death, grief, adoption, alcoholism, poverty, blindness, prejudice, racism. There are also like 
some episodes with people like drug addiction, sexual assault, child abuse. There's one where somebody has leukemia. These are like, predominantly it's a drama, which, you know, we'll talk about our memories in a bit, but they did try to kind of balance that with some lighthearted, more comedic, like the kid-centered storylines. Right. Um, Laura and Nellie are enemies on the show, but really they were best friends in real life. Oh, okay. Um, The girl who played Mary really was kind of sheltered and didn't really interact with them, Melissa Sue Anderson. And all of them wrote memoirs, all three of them. Okay. And then Grace, the uh, Grace is the youngest daughter. You didn't uh-huh. see her because she's later on. But Grace was played by twins, as was Carrie. But one of the twins playing Grace is a Christian, and she wrote a devotional kind of based on the series. So, like, different episodes go along with different, like, devotional uh-huh. passages, which I think is kind of interesting. Lots of Oscar winners did guest appearances on the show. Sean Penn, who made his screen debut. Ralph Bellamy, Patricia Neal, Ernest Borgnine, Johnny Cash did an episode. Burl Ives, Louis Gossett Jr. And we also have another person who made their screen debut, Jason Bateman, plays one of the adopted Ingalls children later on. He did about 20 episodes. But the actors who played Laura Ingalls and Willie Olson in real life were adopted, brothers and sisters. Okay. And then we saw Jonathan Garvey, Garvey and Albert Ingalls, and they were both adopted brothers in real life. Oh, okay. So we have two sets of siblings, which is kind of interesting. So basically, like, as Laura and Mary, as Melissa Gilbert, Melissa Sue Anderson, and Allison Ingram especially, once the three girls start growing up, Carrie... The, the two girls who played Carrie are very nice in real life. I've met them. Uh-huh. But they were not, and they'll even say this, they were not like the best actresses. <laughs> and so that's one of the reasons that they start bringing more kids in. Gotcha. So the Ingalls adopt some children. Um, we have Laura kind of adopt a child. Um, Shannon Doherty plays Laura's adopted daughter, okay. Jenny. And so we, we kind of... This is what happens to a lot of shows that run this many years, right? They yeah. start running out of ideas. Like, if you guys heard last episode of our podcast, um, one of Steve's options was listening to Mr. Edwards accidentally adopts an orangutan. Like, they were clearly running out of ideas toward right. the end. But it had a really good run. They tried to kind of almost reboot it with Little House and New Beginning, but that didn't really fly with viewers. And then the actual Ingalls house was dismantled by one of the season nine actors, and he tried to donate it to Walnut Grove, but basically because of NBC's rights, they basically wouldn't let him. And the rest of the set, the whole town was blown up. Like on purpose or accidentally? No, on purpose. Oh, good. And they filmed it for the final episode. Oh. So people get mad. uh, I forget about what, and they blow up the town, and they walk away from the town singing Bringing in the Chiefs. (laughs) With the reverend out in front. <laughs> and um, it's hilarious because the real town of Walnut Grove is still there. But um, basically they'd been renting this property and they had an arrangement that they would totally clear it out at the end when they were done. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to do that was to burn down the sets because they had really built some of these buildings. Like mm-hmm. they're not just fronts the way like 
you know, other Some shows. Are, yeah. yeah, and um, so they blew everything up and burned it down. Which also, I'm going to tell you, that was in the 80s. Today, you're not having a fire like that in California. Right. Not even with all the fire trucks ready to be at the, <laughs> ready to be there. Um, yeah, so that's some fun facts. I think it's a really um, interesting show. And if you want to know more about the show, there are some great rewatch podcasts. Um, Walnut Grove podcast i think it's called um i'll link some of them on our blog but there's little um little podcast on the prairie (laughs) i don't know if they're still going but um there were two or three little little house um rewatch podcast the walnut grove one i know is still putting stuff out because i just listened to the one that came out the fifth of this month so um yeah definitely if you if you like that show and you like our take on it definitely visit one of those other podcasts yeah. Have some fun. So that's it for some of the history. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about our memories. And I will not talk too long, I promise. Okay. And then we'll get into our recap. This podcast is supported by its creators. And listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now back to the show. Okay, welcome back. My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And Steve, what are your memories of Little House on the Prairie? So I do remember, I mean, I don't I don't think I saw much of Little House on the Prairie in its original run. So I'm sure like most, both of us probably saw it in syndication. Yeah. Which I'm going to talk a little bit about later. But I do remember, I went through went through a time period where my mom really liked Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember what channel, but one of the cha- there was a channel that had syndication rights on it. And they played it every weekday at like 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. And so my mom would have it on the TV. And so I'd watch it with her a lot. And so, I mean, I've probably seen 60 to 70 episodes. I've seen quite a bit of Little House on the Prairie. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that you had seen that no, many. No, you don't know everything about me. I'm a man of mystery and intrigue. <laughs> Are you, though? And so you don't know everything. Don't secrets know. upon secrets I, upon secrets. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> like so, yeah. Alice Garvey in the second episode we watched. <laughs> yes. So I've seen a lot of episodes, actually. Um, I mean, not straight through. I've probably seen right. pieces or I've seen episodes pulled because syndications like that. You know, it just kind yeah. of throws on whatever. Um but yeah, I've seen quite a bit of it, and it, it's a good, and it was a good show. I remember it being, you know, again, not necessarily. I was probably in my early to mid teens during that time, mm. um, so it's not like the most action packed show for a teenage boy. But I remember, like, I mean, it was watchable. You know, I watched a lot yeah. because it was on TV, and my mom was watching it. Um, and so I did follow it, and so I kind of know a little, you know, quite a bit about it. And, and, and it has, you know, good memories. It's not like I hated watching it. I sat there on my own volition and watched the show. It's just it wasn't as like, you know, a teenage boys, especially, you know, when I was a teenager, we would want to, 
you know, we want to watch... A-Team. You know, yeah. <laughs> or G.I. Joe, or Transformers, or, yeah. you know, as I was pushing into the teenage years, more like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. Something like that, you know, right. whereas this was a little bit more dramatic. It's more drama. Okay, listen, you're right. I think this came out at 4 or 4.30. I was obsessed with this show. Of course. Unsurprisingly. And I wanted to be Laura Ingalls to the extent that, like, I would wear my hair in the same braids. So which obsession is more? Had... Your obsession with Muppet Babies? Okay. Or with, or no, with look, Little House I'm, on the Prairie? I'm obsessed with Muppets in general. Mm. And Muppet Show would air at like around 7 o'clock at night. And it would be a half hour. And then it, we would like go to bed at 8. So we would watch like when we were really little. We would watch that and then we'd go to bed. Or supposed to go to bed. And then I would secretly read Little House books with my light on. And... I um, had a record of the first book, and Steve knows this about me now. Like to help myself get to sleep, I will listen to the same audiobook over and over and over. Yes. At that point, it was a record of Little House in the Big Woods, and there were nine records. But I had a record player that would switch, like it would switch, like it would flip the record over for you. Oh, okay. And all that. I would also um, read the books on my stomach in the hallway because the hallway light would be on. And finally, my parents were like, just leave your light on. Like, whatever. Mm. But I wore, for one, um, when I was in second grade, I wore a calico dress for school pictures. And in third grade, I decided I wanted ringlets like Nelly, so I did my hair in ringlets. So there is a school picture of me where I am wearing a frilly pink dress, and I have ringlets in my hair. And it legitimately, if you put it in black and white, you'd be like, oh, that's your ancestor from like 1800s. <laughs> um, a couple years ago, they had the 40th anniversary of Little House Um in Walnut Grove yep. and of the show. Walnut Grove every year has this great Laura Ingalls Wilder festival. You can see where the original dugout was that they lived in, in um, Banks of Plum Creek. And you can see the town and there's Pa's Bell. There's a story about how he helped pay for this mm -hmm. bell for, the, for his church. And my mom agreed to go with me. And so my mom and I went to Minnesota and we had a great time. We went to the festival. We found like there was a blacksmith there. The dugout isn't there, but nearby somebody like made a dugout to show you what it would be like. And then we went to like the Mall of America because it's not that far away. But it was really, really cool. And the anniversary, all the people, almost all the people were there. So Dean Butler, who plays Almanzo, um, the two girls who play Grace, the two girls who play Carrie, Allison Angram was there. And I think even the actress who plays Caroline, um, okay. Karen Grassel, was there as well. So a lot of people, and um, the woman, she wasn't in these episodes, but Miss Beadle was their initial teacher, and okay. she was there. So it was really a great time. We got to meet everybody, and... Um, and Walnut Grove is such a small town, but this is like their thing. Mm -hmm. Like every summer, they have like a Laura, Laura and Mary lookalike contest and they have like a, a stage show. And um, anyway, because it's such a small town, there's not a lot of places to eat. So different organizations like churches and organizations in the town, they do dinner every night that week at like the fire hall. <laughs> it's so cute, Steve. It's so cute. So that's really my, my greatest memory. I mean, I loved the books. 
Um, so out of the 204 yeah. episodes, how many would you say you've watched? I probably, there might be three or four I haven't seen, but I've probably seen almost all of them. Uh, you know, when we had cable, I was watching through them because they were all on. Now they're free on IMDb TV, so I might watch through all of them. Mm-hmm. Season nine is tough because it's not good. Yeah, it's not se- good. Season nine technically is wasn't really part of the season. Yeah. Season nine was technically, they lost Jonathan Landon. Michael Landon. Or Michael Landon left the show in the last season, and so did... A couple people left. And so they tried to brand it as Little House, A New Beginning. Yeah. And it it wasn't great. You know... And so now they just kind of... What happened was it was almost supposed to be its own show. Yeah. But it didn't... It only went the one season, so it was lumped in as season nine for syndication. It's really not good. And um, having said that, I think that this is one of the reasons that now... You see shows, and I know you're not a fan of Seinfeld, but the people at Seinfeld were number one show, and they were like, we're at season nine, we need to close shop, because we're running out of ideas. And I think that you see a lot of shows do that, and especially short-form series on Netflix where things are planned, Mm -hmm. right? What happens a lot of times is you get a show like Lost is a good example. They had a beginning for that show and an end, and the middle part was getting to the end, and they started coming up with crazier and crazier. So they add people. They, yeah. you know, and that's kind of what happened here. But I think for the most part, well, let's get into it. So, see, the first episode we watched was season one, episode one, Harvest of Friends. So this is after that pilot movie I was talking. Yeah, about. it's after they leave Kansas from the two-hour pilot movie. They arrive at Walnut Grove, and it opens basically with Pa making the deal for the land that they want, but also he makes a deal with the guy that runs the lumber mill Mm -hmm. that he's going to work half a day at the lumber mill to pay off basically the wood he needs to build the house. Right. And so he builds the house, and this happens fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they do like montages. Yeah, montage it a little bit. So he builds the house, um, but again, then they need, he needs to do plowing, he needs to do seed, and he can't, of course, they have no money. So, again, he has to kind of do trades with people, mm-hmm. and they don't have anything to trade, so he really needs to work it off. So he makes a deal with the guy that runs the farm seed and ag kind of store mm-hmm. um, for a plow and seed for his 100 acres, and he's going to rebuild the guy's shed roof, which has collapsed, as well as stack a bunch of grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got three weeks to accomplish this. Ma is worried because Pa's running herself kind of ragged. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way she, they, before you even start, she basically says that means you're doing things like 15 hours a day and then you're coming home and plowing still. Right. So that's kind of the beginning piece you can kind of jump into. His, yeah. So basically, just to give you guys the overview real quick, he, he has one day off. He's flying a kite. He goes up in a tree to get the kite because they're poor. And right. you got to get that kite out of the tree. We don't waste anything in pioneer times. Um, he falls out of the tree and breaks six ribs. And so then he's supposed to be laid up so he can't stack this grain or finish the job. So the guy comes to take the oxen because he's put up collateral. Yes. And he comes to take the oxen and Pa goes into town and is like, hey, I have until the end of the day. 
and tries to stack the grain and falls. Laura and Mary then try to help this grain. These grain sacks are like 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. And then the townspeople come because he's made friends throughout the episode. Yeah, Pa's helped a lot of people. Right. So the townspeople then come and stack the grain for him, and he gets the oxen back. So that's basically the story. What were some of your highlights? Um, I like. I thought it was well done as far as an introduction, because yeah. you get to kind of meet a lot of the townspeople as Pa and the family do. Mm-hmm. Like the doctor, you meet the the guy that runs the mill, who becomes a friend of his, um, and even offers him like work after he's paid off his debt. Yeah. Um, you get to meet you know a number of different people, and it, it just kind of shows you how friendly they are. It's a good. It's a good kind of moral episode as far as you know people who have good hearts because pa never asks for anything for helping people Mm -hmm. like when he fixes the doctor's wagon wheel and you know in works really hard for the guy at the mill and helps out places like he never asked for anything in return and so the fact that like you're doing a good deed and that comes back to you because the town were responds as well yeah i think it's a really good i i picked this episode because i think it does give you a really good feel for what the show is going to be that it really is an ensemble piece and everybody thinks about like oh i wanted to be laura ingles wilder i know a lot of my friends would say that too but it's not really a show about her it's really the family and the town so it's more like an ensemble cast that michael landon's kind of leading And you get some of the girls and the mom and the family, but like Steve said, we meet um, Lars Olsen, who runs the mill. We meet Doc Baker. We see a little bit of banter between the two of them and see their friendship. Mm -hmm. The feed and seed guy who's Irish, I don't think we see again, but we do meet Mr. and Mrs. Olsen in the store, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, we meet Mr. and Mrs. Olsen who run the store as well. The town is a lot more sparse. In this first episode, I think part of that's because they didn't know if it was going to go. Right. <laughs> and um, Allison Ingram talks in the, in, like, I think she appears in episode two. And she's like, basically, Michael Landon was like, all right, show's going. Let's build this town. And she's mm-hmm. like, this isn't how Hollywood goes. And he's like, I have faith in this show. We're just going to build yeah. all these buildings. <laughs> um, yeah. And you see it through Laura's eyes as well. I don't love the voiceover stuff this happens in the first couple seasons where she's like if i had a remembrance book it would be blah 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 and blah 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 and it's a little bit cutesy but it's nice that you kind of see it through her eyes anyway well it's interesting too because like you said it's an ensemble cast but really the earlier seasons we're seeing mainly is pa yeah right michael leonard's character is kind of the main character and then you do see you see stories that that surround the kids and other people, but it's not until like when we jump to season six, Melissa Gilbert has gotten much older, and now it's more about her and about some of the other people who've aged up enough. Yeah, a lot of the episodes are really, a lot of them are driven by Michael Landon and his character. Others are kind of like we watch one that was a lot about the Garveys. Right. They'll do sometimes a whole episode about people in the town who you've never met before and you will never see again. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I also liked that they really show that, it, and, you know, in real life, this family really was in poverty. Mm. And they, in the books, they have a real struggle of. When should we borrow stuff and when should we not borrow stuff? They're, they have this value of like, let's pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and let's do, you know, they were written during the Depression. 
Right. And they're about pioneer times, both times when there are people really struggling. Yeah. But um, you go in and they've, they built this house, and this is tr- really true to the books, that this is the first time they've had glass windows. Their other houses, they had like wax paper yeah. or no window at all because it's yeah. logs. And, and they mentioned it's the first house they've ever had with a door that has a lock. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. And Mary is like, we can't, you know, this is the softest bed we've ever had. And I love that Mary is such a little press because Laura's like, look at the window. We can see the stars. And Mary says, and I wrote this down, we should be sleeping when the stars are out. Now you should be helping me make the bed. <laughs> Mary's such a spoiled sport. Um, what do you think about the chemistry between Michael Linden and Karen Grassle, Caroline? Oh, I think it's it's good chemistry. I think the I think Ma and Pa really get, do well. Um, yeah. You know, if you've know if you've read the books or, or heard the books, you know you do know that that Ma is Ma's a bit of a stickler. Yes. And I think Carolyn is it Carolyn or Caroline? Yeah. I think she she does a great job of kind of portraying that, but in a in an approachable way yeah. where as a viewer you still care about her she's not you know a pain in the butt right. she's she's kind of stern like when pa is plowing on sunday mm. and she goes out and reprimands him in the field yeah right um but she's you can she's caring enough that it touches too yeah um, she really wants she she doesn't like that he works too hard and i said well i paused the show and i go mm that's you, Steve Hall. <laughs> I really identified with Caroline. I think you're right. It, to me, it was a lot like her portrayal in the books. There's this whole thing in the book. One of the books has a whole chapter about why we don't work on Sunday. <laughs> and this story about like when their grandfather was a boy and he had to only sit still on Sunday. like He couldn't even like play quietly. Right. Um, but there's also my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the books is that Pa these gophers are taking all his seeds and he goes i have to put five seeds in every hole one for the gopher two for the gopher three don't go fur and ma's like mm. and then it says ma did not approve of puns <laughs> i thought that was hilarious i mean a school teacher at that time she wants them to like use language properly yeah. but we see that here but i think pa has a little glint in his eye and i believe that they're married you know there was a dialect which i liked or dialogue which I liked where um, as she's reprimanding him for working on Sunday he says well you know God's not going to plant the grain and he understands a farmer Yeah. and then when he's hurt and she's out plowing he tells her I don't want you plowing anymore and she says well God's not going to plant the grain and she says I, if a, God understands a farmer then I'm sure he understands a farmer's wife yeah we also my, my one low light was them at the church I think they have a lot of scenes at church because that's kind of the heart of the community especially in that time right, right? And usually the Reverend Alden is like a kind, gentle soul who's like really trying to lead people to God. Here he's like, I see a lot of wives here without their husbands. I don't think that any of you have become widows. Yeah. No, I don't think we, I think I would know if anyone died this week. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. <coughs> and he, um, he kind of shames them. And then Laura and Mary are like, is God going to be mad at Pa for not being here? And their mom's like, no, no, he won't be mad at him. And then she sees him working. Yeah. And then she's like, well, yeah, he'll be mad about that. But, um, 
There's a couple little things with the clothes. Laura is in red and Mary's in blue, just like they were in the books. Now, later that changes, but I just think that's cute. But then we have these nightcaps that they put on their heads. I don't know where they found these, but they are hilarious. Steve even was like, Megan, the nightcaps. Yes. There's another one that we didn't see that Pa wears that's like a long nightcap with a tassel on the end. But like the, the night before Christmas. Yeah, like the <laughs> night before Christmas. Exactly. And so he tells them this story about a grumpy farmer because he feels kind of bad. And then we go into them playing and, you know, all that and then the kite and the tree and whatever. But I, I did get teared up at the end when the he's hurt and the girls are there and they're trying to help. And they're so small. Yeah. And then the townspeople come in. And they help. And they help stack the grain so that he can get his ox back. But that's what part of this show was about, right? That community and family and that's, you know, those are the fa- the values of this show. Mm-hmm. That we value community, we value family. And I think you get both in this episode. And that's why I kind of, yeah. I kind of liked it. So then for our second episode, we jump to season six. Yes. Episode 12, Crossed Connection. So this is the episode Steve picked out last week. It is. And... It, it was is. between this and the plague. Yes. Okay. And also Mary goes or blind. Or someone going blind. Yeah, it was not. It, I chose the nicer of all. Of I really, really wanted you to pick the one where Nellie pretends to be paralyzed because it's hilarious. Laura pushes her down a hill. It's really great. But um, yeah, I have to say, now I didn't totally ruin my childhood on this one, but I thought that this was really... My memory of this was that it was a humorous, fun little episode. And there are some serious things going on. There's some serious things that happen here, yes. Yeah, so tell tell the people what happens. So it starts off, Mrs. Olsen, um, you know, the Olsons run the the town store. And they always have a number of, like, side businesses kind of thing. And Mrs. Olsen gets in on the ground level of the telephone. Mm-hmm. So she becomes the town operator, and a bunch of people get telephones run to their houses. Of course, though, she realizes that while connecting people, she can listen in on their conversations. And so we have a number of side stories, kind of, that come out of her listening to these. The biggest one being, you know, yeah, Jonathan Garvey, who is Pa's best friend Mm -hmm. at the time here. Um, Him and his wife. His wife calls her mom, and Mrs. Olsen overhears a conversation where the mom and the wife mention that Mrs. Garvey had been married once before 18 years ago and her ex-husband had been in prison. Right. And she had never told Jonathan, her new husband, well, he's been married to her for 16 years. Yeah. Um, And so, of course, this gets spread partially by Mrs. Olsen, partially by Nellie, who's a little... Pill. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. And so that causes a lot of issue. But there's also some others. Like she listens in on the banker doing like like placing bets. Mm-hmm. She and she then she's, you know, kind of pushes that around town. And she listens in, obviously, and her husband, who I always feel bad for, because Mr. Olson actually is a decent human being. Yeah. And he's been saddled with this woman who is a demon. Yeah. <laughs> and he's constantly trying to admonish her. And tell her that she's wrong, and she never listens. Yeah. And he tells her from the get-go she shouldn't be listening to people's conversations. And she says, well, I run the telephone, and that's my job. Like, So, yeah, it, it causes a lot of issues. And so... Um, Alice Garvey. Alice Garvey, yes. And so 
they he finds out Jonathan finds out about it um, and reacts poorly although I mean you know especially in this day and age in the prairie times to find out that your wife had been married before is a major issue right um, they do have a son together and he's a very good man right and so he reacts poorly him and Jonathan uh, are him and Michael um, land and have to go do a uh, trip for business to drop off some lumber and so he stops into uh, Alice's hometown and basically meets the guy and kind of, um, you know, feels that out. And by the end of it, he feels bad about the whole situation. And it comes it comes to fruition, but it, it's just, it's really a serious situation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a major issue in this couple's marriage that's caused by... Gossip. Gossip, yes. And then basically, Laura and Albert have a side story where they're trying to get revenge on Mrs. Olsen for listening in on people's conversations. So they kind of set her up to lose money in the stock market um, by having the banker place a fake phone call. Right. And she does, and she loses her whole savings. Yeah. So she gets her comeuppance, and then um, Nels kind of gets her to work a little harder at the store and (laughs) earn back some earn back some of that some of that saved money yeah she ends up having to work even though they're husband and wife she has to work for him because when she used her life savings she also sold him her half of the store yeah so he now owns the entire store um giving him a little bit more leverage um, when it comes to all of her nonsense. So Catherine McGregor and Richard Bull play Mr. and Mrs. Olsen. And I think that they have such a great chemistry in a totally different way than Michael Land and Karen Grassel, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have this like bickering kind of relationship. In the books, Nellie's horrible, but Mrs. Olsen's really a kind lady. And apparently Catherine McGregor was really nice in real life. Um, Nellie's horrible, in the, in the show Oh, she's well. horrible in the show. It's yeah. her, actually, that spreads you know, to the Garvey's son that yeah. his mom had been married. And later on, Nellie's character gets married, and she totally softens up, and, and she's still, like, sometimes snobbish, but she's really... It's very interesting how they do that, and I, I wish that we could have watched that two-part episode. But um, but uh, Alice Garvey and Jonathan Garvey. Jonathan Garvey is played by Merlin Olsen, and basically Victor French was um, Charles' best friend, Mr. Edwards. Mm-hmm. He left to do this show, Carter Country, which only lasted for a couple seasons. While he left, they brought in Jonathan. Merlin Olsen was a football player, so again, he's like kind of a burly, manly man. And he stays with the show until 81, where he leaves to do a show, Father Murphy. Okay. And they kill off Alice in quite horrendous manner, which is the episode that scarred me for life. (laughs) The blind school burns down. Right. Um... We did not watch The Blind School Burning Down because other things happen in that episode, too, and it's kind of traumatic, honestly. I don't recommend you allow children to watch that episode. I was seriously so afraid of fire that I wouldn't even roast a marshmallow for, mm-hmm. like, until I was 20. I kid you not. <laughs> like, I really, I wouldn't Thanks go. Thanks to Little House on the Prairie. I would go near a bonfire. We had a fireplace, and I, like, was always, like, close the grate because yeah. I saw The Blind School Burning. Um yeah, but it's we have some some serious um, moments in this show, and then we have some other moments that are like kind of lighthearted and fun. So, what were some of your highlights and lowlights here? Um, the highlights, I, I did like a number of things. I liked the fact that they're dealing with the 
the telephone to begin with. Yeah, that was cool. Right, that was cool. I like Pa is being trying to be the voice of reason again with his friend too. Mm-hmm. Um, I it was also interesting that Pa is in it, but he's not playing a major role in this episode. Yeah, he's kind of he's a side character mm-hmm. that's really just giving advice to Jonathan, right? Yeah. Um, and I did like Albert and Laura's little like scheme to get even with her. Yeah, um, it, it was. Like, as an adult looking back on it, she lost her entire life savings. That is kind of a major issue. Yeah. But, um, you know, it did teach her a lesson, so. Yeah, the the interesting to me that Almanzo comes in, I think he's already been in a couple episodes, but we have this whole thing with Laura where she's hanging out with her adopted brother, Albert, who was not a character based in real life, right? Mm. And Andy Garvey, who again is a, a completely fictional character. And it's kind of like um, like a transition period for her. So she's hanging out with boys, but they're not love interests. Gotcha. And in the earlier episodes, it's really her with Mary. Now, Mary's gone to the blind school and gotten married, which she was not in real life. She never married. Right. But um, on the show, Mary's been married now, and now Laura has this, like, transitional period. So she and Albert and Andy are really, like, best friends. And they have, like, kind of adventures together, (laughs) I guess. The kind that you have when you're, like, 13. Right. You know? And poor Andy is probably, like, Laura and I are going to grow up and get married. Nope. She's going to get... Because they're best friends. And then Laura goes after the guy 10 years older than her. Yeah. (laughs) But I do... I think they did a lot of research about when the telephone would have come in and Mm -hmm. how that would have worked. I like that. You know, for all Mrs. Olsen, she really is a hard worker. She is pretty much running this store. And now she's the switchboard operator as well. But Nellie... First chastises her for listening in, and then a scene later, she's listening in. Um, so we have like we have like this whole thing where both of them are kind of you know birds of a feather, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what did you think about the part where um, Alice is confronted by Jonathan, and now he knows that she's been married before? I mean, that's a tough... It's it's kind of a serious situation. It's kind of tough, yeah. you know? And and so, again, I think it's adding a level of seriousness a little bit to the show. It's interesting, you know, that you say that when Laura Ingalls Wilder published the books, they wanted her to have them be for kids and not have, like, as much dark pieces. But then the show throws a lot of dark yeah, pieces in. Yeah, that's the thing. And it, it, they're really, you know, I mean, there's an episode later where Albert's hooked on heroin. Like, yeah. these are not... Re- the and, and the blind burning, school burning, which plague, we're talking about. Right. Yeah, they're um, really not for kids. I mean, the plague thing freaked me out, too, which we didn't watch that. But everybody in town gets sick. Yeah. And they're all dying in the church. Like, they're well, all my point bodies. being that if you're... If you're a young girl thinking you're going to watch Little House on the Prairie from books, yeah. this is not... I mean, parts of it are, but there are a lot more kind of darker pieces Yeah, to and I think that there's a lot here implied that does not hold up today because it really is even, I think, more than 1860s values. It's really 1970s values or yes. 1980s where he's kind of like, how many other men have you been with? And she slaps him. <laughs> I mean, essentially, that's what he's asking her, yeah. right? And I said to Steve, you know, a lot of this is more about like her being impure or mm-hmm. like tainted as opposed to like, if I said to you right now, 
You know, um, I never told you this. I know we've been married almost five years, but I was married before. Now, it only lasted a couple weeks. You'd be like, right. what? Right. It would be way more about the secret yeah. than, like, how many other men although, have you been it, with? Although it was, too, because he was more. He does mention a number of times he was upset she never told him. Yeah, that's true. But still, I, I just think, it, it's again, it's surprising to me that a family show kind of for kids has that. Yeah. Like, major implications. The other interesting piece before we jump to the last episode that we did was um, when Albert and Laura go in to talk to the banker to help get him in on that scheme yeah. um, to get back at Ms. Olsen, the banker, the bank is relatively new to the community. Yes. And it would have been at the time, too. Banks mm-hmm. would have been relative, especially out on the plains. And he's explaining to Albert basically like, well, if you start an account, you get 2%. Yeah. And Albert's like, that doesn't sound like a lot. He's like, no, but it does add up. And you don't get anything if you just have it under your mattress, which is what most people, right? Right. So he's trying to pitch the bank, yeah. which we wouldn't think about nowadays as an actual service because everyone uses a bank. Right. It's also, yeah, and also we don't get that much back in interest a you, lot Well, of now because they don't have to. Right. But then he had to, he, there had to be a gimmick for people to actually use the bank. Yeah, that's I mean, some accounts have interest still, but... Yeah, there I, are some There were two accounts. other things before we jump that stuck out to me. The first is that uh, Charles and Jonathan are riding to Mankato or to Minneapolis. I'm not sure which, but they're riding to the city where Alice's mom lives and they're yeah. doing this delivery. And Charles says... Don't throw away 16 good years. And Jonathan's like, well, I don't know. And Charles is like, you've never kept a secret? And Jonathan's like, nope, I don't keep secrets. And Charles says, and I wrote this down verbatim, I haven't been appreciating you, Jonathan. I didn't know you were perfect. You're wasting your time being a farmer when you could have been a saint. Yes. And then he clicks the reins and they drive off. I love it. He's just, Michael Landon has this little twinkle in his eye when he delivers these lines and a little smirk, you know. The second thing is that as they're talking to Alice's mother about who Harold is and what happened, she says, well, after Alice's dad died, Harold was like a father to her. What? Yeah. Gross. (laughs) And I wasn't surprised when he finally asked, why isn't he asking you to marry him? If he's a father to her, oh, that's so disgusting. Um. And I'm sure that did happen back then. But at the end of the day, the, the um, Mrs. Olson is blubbering and uh, and all's right with the Garvey family. And Nels sets Mrs. Olson to work and then goes fishing. Yes. You take yes, care of the store. So that's that's how that ends. So then. So then we jump later into season six. Yep. Episodes at 20. 25. 25. Sweet, sweet 16. 16. Um. And this is about, now we see Laura, it's interesting because it's the same season, but Laura looks older. A little bit, A yeah. little bit. And um, a nearby town school, uh, the school teacher has, they say she's, they say she's disabled, but she broke her foot. Yeah, she broke her foot, so she can't. So she can't teach, and so they need a teacher, so they ask Almanzo's sister, who's the teacher here, Who's your best student that's near, that's 16, which is how old you have to be to be a teacher. Which, look, I don't want to get into so much in this summary, but Eliza Jane right here goes, well, my 16-year-old is my poorest student. My brightest student is 12. But there is Laura, and she's yeah. pretty good, and she's yeah. almost 16. She's pretty good, and she's almost six. She'll be 16 in two weeks. My dumbest student is my 16-year-old. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so Laura does the teaching exam. So, yeah, so Laura takes the teaching exam she passes it mm-hmm. so she becomes a teacher 
um, and they kind of give her a little bit of a makeover. Laura loses the classic braids that she's had since episode <sighs> one, season one. Yeah. And they put her hair up like a lady. Um, and I maybe when I say she looks older, maybe it's probably that Melissa Gilbert was looking older and the braids and such were keeping her looking younger. And now they're dressing her more her age and you're like, oh, there it is. Um, but, you know, and of course they get her a woman's dress with mm-hmm. a corset and things instead of the little pioneer girl dress that she's and been wearing. And it goes all the way down to her shoes as yes. opposed to like her knees. And she gets heels yeah. and a hat. Um, but she goes off basically to to teach at this nearby town until their teacher is better. And who gives her and a And of ride? course, Almanso, who <laughs> Laura's had the hugest crush on. Yeah. And we know historically becomes her husband. Yeah. Right? Um, Almanso... Uh, gives has to drive her on Sunday afternoons to the town to teach and then picks her up Friday afternoons mm-hmm. to come home for the weekend with her parents. Which did happen in real life. Yes. Yeah. yeah I remember you reading or telling me about that in the books. Um, and, of course, so she's kind of always had a crush on Almanso, but now that she's dressed more like a woman, Almanso starts seeing her in a different light. Yeah, and then they fall in love. And they start falling in love, <laughs> and he starts, and there's a... There's a place where a student um, is interested in being a doctor, and he's showing her like how expansive the ribs are, and he touches her ribs, and Almanso sees and punches the kid. Yes, because he gets jealous. Yeah. Um, and of course, Almanso all of a sudden now is interested in Laura, and so he asks her to the to the church formal dance, social, yeah. or the social. And um, the greatest part in his this is that her mom said you need to let him chase you yes and so she says i'll have to think about it <laughs> and poor almanso racks his brain for a week over this yes i love it um and of course at the end um and has a nice talk with his sister in there about i it, she's just a kid i shouldn't be thinking like this and his sister's like no she's yeah. grown up now she's a woman i mean 16, she's 16 now but in in real life they did have that age difference yes. and they you know in the books she shortens the age difference she makes it six years instead of 10 because it wouldn't have been acceptable by the time the books came out mm-hmm. but they did start kind of courting when she was 15 and he was 25 right and they married when she was almost 18 um, and that's not unusual for back then, right? There's yeah. another one of the books where her, her cousin's best friend has gotten married and she's 13. Ugh. And Laura and her cousin are like, I just want to ride horses and have a good time out here on the prairie, you know? So this episode is really sort of a love story. Plus, yeah. plus it's a coming of age for Laura because she becomes a teacher. It shows her being successful teaching class and kids. Yeah. Um, and... But it is a lot about the rides back and forth with Armando, uh, Armanzo um, and their kind of flirtation. And then, of course, at the end, they have a little kiss out on the porch of the church. Which was uh, Melissa Gilbert's first kiss. Right on camera. <laughs> on camera. And they were very, very careful. Like the network people, they had her How mom. How old was Melissa Gilbert at She the time? was about the same age. About 16. And, she, and he's, in real life, Dean Butler's eight years older than she is. Okay. And so he was very nervous as well because he's a grown man. And it kiss- was his first kiss. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that would be hilarious. But she was very, a child star, very innocent, kind of mm-hmm. sheltered. And so... Um, 
her mom was there and they kind of make it so she leans into him to show like yep. she's the one initiating it. Um, but they were very gentle and careful with her um, during the filming of that. And I think that that especially because they knew the age difference was mm-hmm. a big a big thing, you know. When my mom, when we met Dean Butler, my mom was like, "He's so handsome. I know him from Faraday. He like produces. <laughs> he produces a golf show, I guess. Oh, okay. now. Um, so he's still in show business, but um, yes, he is very handsome on TV and in real life. But anyway, what were some of your highlights for this episode? Uh, I think you know. I, I mentioned I like the the fact that. She kind of makes him chase her and turns him down. Or doesn't turn him down, but says she has to think about it. Yeah. And then, of course, they don't go together because she's mad at him because he punched her student. Yes. Um, and then Pa has, I like that Pa has a little talk with her on the ride back to town and says, you know, what do you think about when, you know, haven't you ever been jealous? And she says, well, yeah, I was jealous when Armanzo was going out with Chrissy. Going out with that Chrissy girl. And he goes, and why do you think that is? And she goes, well, because I'm in, because I was in love, because I'm in love with Almanzo. Yeah. And he says, yeah. He says, hmm. Why do you think Almanzo punched that boy? And then all of a sudden it clicks to her and he goes, yeah. Do you think Almanzo's in love with me? Right. And I thought that was kind of cute. I also and I think, liked it. I also think what's funny is that she has also a talk with her mom, like so innocent, talking with both your parents about the boy you have a crush on. Yeah. I would not have done that at that age. But she has a talk with her mom about it as well. And it's just, again, showing like some of those family values. But she says, do you think Almanzo could be in love with me? And he goes, I don't believe in girls being married until they're 18. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> can we? We've jumped ahead quite a bit, Pa. Like they well, haven't even courted. Days. They didn't like to. They didn't hold back. They haven't even courted He's yet. Like, Before you even get courted, just let me know. This is the line. I think that there's a really sweet jumping back to the beginning. There's a really sweet scene where she's having kind of a little mini makeover. She's getting dresses that go all the way down to her shoes, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Olson is really sweet here, and she's reminiscing with Caroline a little bit about these girls are growing up, yeah. and my. Nellie is her age too and now she's becoming a woman and now Laura's becoming a teacher and you know all I feel old you yeah. know and then Willie comes in and he's been trying to be a peeping Tom and then Willie was being a peeping Tom <laughs> and it totally undercuts the sweetness <coughs> it totally undercuts the sweetness and sappiness of the scene but and it's worse isn't it that actually the two of them are brother and sister in real life in real life yeah again they were both adopted but right. jonathan gilbert and melissa gilbert yes, yes they were yeah they're they're brother and sister um so we have that i really liked when she gets into the cart the buggy for the first time with manly and he calls her beth and she calls him manly they're mm-hmm. like little nicknames and she's like do you like my new dress and he goes well, I haven't seen that one before. It looks real nice. And she's like, and what do you think of my hair? My my pa says it's too mature. No, I think it looks real nice. And she's like, and also my hat. And he's like, well, that's real nice. Yeah. And she goes, Does it, do you think my hair makes me look mature? And he goes, no, not at all. And then she's not happy with <laughs> no. that answer. And, and then he's like, I've been waiting for, for a chance for this too. And she's like, oh, really? And he's like, yep, I got to give Burnham a good workout. Yeah, the horse. Um, so there's some fun Funny things there. I also thought Mrs. Trimble, who we don't see again, she's the school teacher that Laura's subbing for. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. She talks to herself. She smokes a pipe. So Laura walks in and she's smoking a pipe and sitting in a wheelchair trying to itch her leg that's in a cast. 
Um, yeah, it's so funny. Um, and then she confides in her ma that on the way home, Manly was looking at her moony-like, and he's finally noticing her. Um, and then Ma says to pursue, let him pursue yeah, a little Ma bit. Ma says, just because he looks at you, Mooney, doesn't mean you have to look at him, Mooney. Yeah. You should let him pursue you. You don't have to be all moony-eyed over this boy yeah. or this guy. And it's interesting, comparing it to the, the book, it, he did bring her back and forth to school, and it was quite a long drive. Um, she was in kind of a dangerous situation Isn't in the it house. Kind of the snow, wasn't it in the book? Yeah, like in the winter part time? of it. Yeah, so he's yeah. got to bring the sleigh. But um, they finally are like, "Teacher's bow is here," and she like kind of didn't realize he was her bow in a way. And he really is. She said like in her autobiography, she kind of set her eye on Cap, this other boy at her school, at this church singing, and then Almanzo asked to walk her home. So she kind of didn't even think of him in a romantic way because of their age difference. Um, and they did not kiss until after they were engaged. So it wasn't like in a show where she's got a crush on him. No, no. It's more like he was a man that she looked up to because they have this thing in the long winter where he and somebody else go for food. He and mm. Cap go, Cap Garland go and help the town by getting food because the railroad line was mm. stopped up. So she had kind of admired him, but I just think it's hilarious that in the in in um, these happy golden years, he gives her a little garnet ring, mm. and they're engaged, and then she goes. You may kiss me now if you want. And then he gives her a kiss. But oh, not okay. until she's got that ring on her finger, Steve Hall. Okay. She doesn't get a kiss until then. Um, yeah, but it's a really, even on the show, I think they did it in a really sweet way. I love Pa's reactions as he's kind of like grappling with his daughter growing up. That when she says she'll think about it, he's ecstatic. And he's like, my daughter has a brain in her head. She's not just going to go run after this yeah. guy. <laughs> and um, and all of that. And then at the end, the church social, she's got her hair down with like a little bouquet of flowers in it. And the ribbon. And then they have this really sweet kiss. And they and then they fall in love. And then that's it. That's how the, and, the and that's season that. closes. It sweet. It's um, really sweet. So let's jump into the reception. All right. Um, Little House on the Prairie was received very good, especially the pilot. The pilot episode, or pilot movie, which was two hours, ranked number three in early 1974. Mm -hmm. And then it does have an interesting run when we look at rankings on the Nielsen. Okay. Because sometimes things start really hot and kind of slow down, things like that. Season one, it ranked 13. Okay. Which is pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Season two, it ranked 33, and it's its worst ranking of huh. its whole run. It's the second what, season. What do you think happened in season two? It, well, they were was on... Was it up again? Would they switch nights? They were on Wednesday night, mm -hmm. and then in season three, they switched them to Monday night. Oh, yeah. So they switched nights. Um, season three, it jumps back to 16, okay. which is good. Season four, it's seven. So I'm guessing season four, they had a writer strike and basically Michael Landon paid his writers out of pocket so they'd keep working. Yeah. So they had more episodes and most and people had to go most, and most people had that, to go on hiatus. Season four is their highest rated season. Yeah. Um, season five, 14, which is about where they were most of the time. Okay. Season six, 16, they jumped to 10 in season seven. All right. Because Laura and Almanzo got together. Yes. And were getting um, married, so probably that drove a And then in season eight, they dropped to 25. Yeah. 
season nine, which we talked about, really wasn't part of that. That's the new beginning. Yeah. Um, is twenty nine. Okay. Um, so you can kind of. But interestingly see, enough, still not as bad as season two, which was thirty three. It's got to be whatever was on Monday night. <coughs> um, but it was interesting. So all in all, it had a good reception. Its rankings, its Nielsen ratings were good. Mm-hmm. Um, through all all nine seasons, really. Um. It won four Emmy Awards over its run. Okay. Which is really good. Um, Only four in all that time? Just four, yeah. And there was nominations, but oh, they, okay. it won four Emmys. Okay. Um, and then, of course, we talked a little bit earlier, it went into syndication, because it's 204 episodes. Right. Nine seasons. Uh, interesting thing also about it, it went into syndication right in 1983 after it ended. Mm-hmm. Right? It goes directly into syndication with NBC. Mm-hmm. who had syndication rights and then after a few years they lost syndication rights to CBS oh okay and it went to CBS for a while and then with changes in syndication law and things like that it went back to NBC and yeah. Peacock and things like that but right. for a while it was CBS Paramount mm, okay. which is that different right and then and then it dropped and then it went back to, to NBC it's been shown in a lot of other things. One of the other interesting things about this and its reception, I think, that speaks very highly of the show, mm-hmm. is since it entered indication in 19, or syndication in 1983, it's never left the air. Oh, wow. It's been okay. on the air on some channel or network right. ever since. Yeah, once we got cable, I remember that it was always on TBS... TV Land had it for a while, mm. and Hallmark. For its original time, yeah, you've got you've got almost you're talking almost fifty years, right? Um, but no, I'm saying since it went into syndication, it's been on the air for forty, almost forty years, thirty eight years. Yeah, basically. that's crazy. Um, uh, in some on some channel or network, um, it also had a really big following in Spain, mm. which was interesting as well. Um, but that's just why kind of do side you think piece. Spain? Um, it's just that it was we a don't big, know. it had a big following. In Spain. And it, it also, you know, this is something you might, I don't know if you researched this, but in part, this spawned like a whole fashion trend in the seventies of like the prairie look. That's where you really get like the long maxi skirts that mm-hmm. go all the way to the floor and the, um, like the peasant blouses, I said, like, in early 80s, I had, like, a calico dress. That kind of came back. So it's kind of, that's kind of interesting to me as well, like, the way that it affected um, popular culture. Yeah. Right? And certainly, I don't think the books would have been as, I mean, they, they were read, but I don't, they might have been a series that went into obscurity had it not been for this show. Because even by the 70s, those books had been out 40 years. Right. But they kind of surged back in popularity. And also, you know, we talked about this with Splash and the name Madison. But because of the show, the name Melissa was huge. And Melissa Sue Anderson, two Melissas. Okay. And also the name Laura. It became a much bigger... And I don't like probably eight Melissas between the two of us. Right, right, And we all, who were all around our age Mm. because their parents probably were watching this right when they were like newlyweds and stuff. And um, I know Laura, Lauren, a couple Laurens, a couple Lauras, Mm -hmm. all around, born around this time. So it's just interesting like how big of an impact this had. So that was how it was received. Steve... So let's get back to brass. Let's get down to brass tacks. All right, out of how ten many houses, houses, 
prairie houses do you give it? Log cabins. Out of ten little houses, what do you give it? I'm going to give it seven. Okay. I know you tried to butter me up by buying me Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. No, I did Just for this episode. I just wanted you to have that I, nice childhood memory. I like it. It's good. You know, it wasn't necessarily my genre, but I do like it. I think, I, you know, I think there's a lot of history to it, and I think that... The shows were good, so I would give it a seven. The thing seven. about, yeah, the thing about this show is, I think for the most part, it's pretty solid until you get to that ninth season, and then it kind of goes downhill. There are a couple episodes here and there that are kind of like a miss for me, especially when they're trying to deal with like the very heavy topics, mm. and sometimes they do things in kind of a heavy-handed way, and sometimes a little bit too sentimental. But this is a good nine out of ten for me. I think that they are um, really sweet, family-friendly shows that. I don't know that I would allow really little kids to watch, at least not all of them. Yeah. I would maybe cherry pick here and there. But um, now that it's all for free on on uh, Amazon, I probably will watch through them. I'll probably watch them mm-hmm. through. Um, yeah, so solid 9 out of 10. All right. So. Yeah. Together, eight, eight little, little houses. houses, four little house on out the prairie, ten. out of yeah. ten, and four and a half little ha- little houses for out of maple five sugar. for the maple sugar candy, which is a little rich. But I did have another piece while we were talking. Yeah, <laughs> I snuck another one. So that's our rating for this show. Coming up, we have um, Dream a Little Dream. That's our next episode. Is yep. our next episode, and that's our movie. So since we don't have a show with episodes, Steve is going to pick out our next movie for okay. us. So these are all fan suggestions, and there are four of them. We have, um, so this show would be airing late May. Yep. So Field of Dreams. Okay. Kevin Costner movie about the um, yeah. baseball field in the corn. And um, Muppets Take Manhattan, because somebody really liked that we did Muppet Babies and wanted Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay. Aladdin, the animated feature, and then Flight of the Navigator, the movie where a kid gets sucked up into a spaceship. Now, I will tell you that we are watching... Transformers mm-hmm. and Greatest American Hero during that cycle. So if you want to pick one that kind of fits, so I think to go with Transformers, especially we have to go with Flight of the Navigator. Okay, Flight of the Navigator was sent to us by Will Bichard, and he said, "Great flick. I think it still holds up." And he wants to see what we think. So okay. do we think it holds up or not? Flight of the Navigator coming up in four weeks, but next week is Dream a Little Dream. So we look forward to bringing you guys that. And for now, thanks so much for listening. My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great week, everybody.